You've probably heard a lot about fish oil. It's one of the most common supplements available after all. But have you wondered if you should be taking it and why you might want to think about it? The simple answer is yes. If you don't have access to fresh fish several times per week, you can likely benefit from supplementation and may even need to. I test many of my patients' fatty acid levels and have found that the overwhelming majority of my patients are low in omega-3s. Omega-3 fatty acids are essential cornerstones of human nutrition. They are deemed essential because we need them for proper health, much like certain vitamins and minerals, but unfortunately we can't produce them on our own. As a result, our only option is to consume these fats either through our diet or through supplementation. Omega-3 fatty acids are known to benefit cardiovascular health, support healthy brain function and cognition, and have been proven to maintain a healthy inflammatory response. For all these reasons, achieving the proper balance of omega-3s is an important health strategy, one for which most people require supplementation. Simplified. Fish oil can help improve your cholesterol, glucose, help your memory, reduce pain, even headaches and menstrual cramps. I typically start my patients with 1 to 2 grams or 1,000 to 2,000 milligrams per day of combined eicosapentaenoic acid, which is EPA, and docosahexaenoic acid, which is DHA daily. Our Your Longevity Blueprint Omegas are stabilized in vitamin E oil, and rosemary extract is used to ensure maximum purity and freshness. This exclusive fish oil is purified, vacuum distilled, and independently tested to ensure heavy metals, pesticides, and polychlorinated biphenyls, PCBs, are removed to undetectable levels. Plus, our fish oil has the shortest sea-to-shelf time, meaning from fish to bottle or capsule, of only 3 to 6 months, as compared to the industry average of 18 to 36 months. Seriously, that means most of the fish oil you buy over-the-counter is old, oxidized, rancid, and not helpful. That fish oil purchased over-the-counter could be three years old already before you ingest it. Yuck. With over 10,000 published studies in the last three decades, EPA and DHA from fish oil are among the most researched natural ingredients available and have a long history of safety and efficacy. Check out more product information on our website, yourlongevityblueprint.com, and use code OMEGA3s for 10% off. Now let's get back to the show. A lot of people quit using their toes as they get older. Guess what? There's a fascial line back of the head. It's very fascinating to think like how we stand can affect our pelvic floor function. Welcome to the Your Longevity Blueprint Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Stephanie Gray. My number one goal with the show is to help you discover your personalized plan to build your dream health and live a longer, happier, truly healthier life. You're about to hear again from Erica Zeal. This is part two of a two-part series, so I do advise you go back and first listen to part one. Today, we'll further discuss how to create space in your body through movement and posture, how important your pelvic floor is for quality of life and pain reduction, and the role fascia plays in longevity. And dive deep into her thoughts on stretching and deep breathing. Let's get started. So how does digestion affect our pelvic floor health? Mm, I love this question. Stephanie, how long do we have to talk? <laughs> as long as you have. No, just yeah. <laughs> okay. Digestion does matter. And I'm really, I mean, I hear from women all the time, constipation, right? Constipation is a real like epidemic in this country. Women are constipated beyond belief. A lot of women don't think they're even constipated and they are mm-hmm. so constipated. So if we think about we've got, we're constipated, if we're not going at least, at least once a day. And if you're only going once a day, it better be a lot. <laughs> be a lot in that in that toilet. But so if you're not having that, then you are likely constipated. And if we think about constipation, well, we've got that extra weight of the stool hanging out in our body. 
putting pressure downward on our pelvic floor. Um, That's part of it. And then the other piece of it is the straining that can happen when we're having a bowel movement. That is really, really hard on our pelvic floor. So if we can start to improve our digestion, so we're having more regular bowels, so it's easier for us to go to the bathroom, that can have a profound positive effect on your pelvic floor. I see it all the time with my ladies when I get their digestion improving. They're like, oh, wow, now I can feel my pelvic floor on such a deeper level because we've got all that state and stagnation is part of it. I'm a big like energy person, understanding the energy of your body. And if we're constipated, we are very stagnant in our body, in our bowels, in our lymphatic system. We can't detoxify. I'm sure you talk, you've about episodes talking about this, where if we are constipated, we are recirculating not only estrogen, but other toxins and stuff yeah. like that. So it's like then all the work we're doing, we're likely recirculating a lot of toxins and that's leading us to feel more tired and brain foggy and pain in our body and inflammation. And it all ties in. And I'm, you know, a big one that's like always talking about all the pieces that come together. So yeah, if you're, you know, wanting to work on pelvic floor, uh, deep core health, and you are constipated, I would definitely work on improving the digestion piece, like ASAP first. And I'm not someone to put a bandaid solution on things like but I do I will do some things for clients like ascorbic acid and some magnesium. So just kind of get things moving initially because we got to get it out. But then we got to figure out, well, why are we constipated? What's going on? And that's a whole other conversation for another day. (laughs) (laughs) But I I totally agree. I tell my patients, if we plug the exhaust on a car for one day, that car would explode. But yet we think as humans, we don't have to poop every day. Like, no, no. (laughs) Those toxins, yes, you get recirculated in our body. And yeah. So I want my patients pooping it. Yeah, at least once a day after every meal would be even better. We just want to be constantly eliminating. Yes. So what are some other true causes of back pain? Love this conversation. So, well, you know, sometimes their back pain is actually from the back. But many times I have discovered that it's from postural imbalances. It's from, you know, pelvic imbalances. It's because we don't really know how to activate that pelvic floor deep core connection. Um, it could be how we're sitting and standing throughout our day. A lot of a lot of people, especially okay, well, let's talk about mom posture for a second. Can I call it that? <laughs> I don't mean it in a bad way. It's just a natural progression that happens typically for moms because of pregnancy posture that happens. And we have our baby and we don't correct our posture because again, unless someone is telling us about it or we're aware about it, we don't know. So a lot of moms tend to hang out back into their back. So they're just kind of, they have this little lean back in their, during their day all the time. Or we're, we've been, we've been holding a baby on one hip and jetting a hip out. We've got massive imbalances. Yeah. Massive imbalances. Well, where do we start to then feel the pain? We feel it in our back. And so many people, you know, they might go to a chiropractor, they might, do yep. this, get injections, all the things. And it's all focused on their back. Well, if I have someone walk into my world or, you know, and they've got back pain, I'd say, okay, well, we're going to start with your pelvis. And sometimes they look at me like I'm a crazy person, but my pain's back here in my back. I'm like, I know. But if we just keep focusing on your back, I'm not going to get you where I need you to go. So it's all about everything for me comes back down to the foundation of pelvic floor, deep core function, pelvic movement, what's going on with our pelvis. If our pelvis is twisted and shifted because we're pulling, you know, one hip forward, that's going to constantly crank on your back and you can work on your back all day long. And we're not going to see the relief. You might get a little like instant relief, but if it keeps coming back, 
that's a sign right there that we haven't been looking at the right piece. So I just find time and time again, a lot of back pain is from postural imbalances. We got to get that deep core to wake up, right? If we're not, even if you think you have strong abdominals, you can still have back pain because I find people that do a lot of crunches. They think like current traditional ab exercises, they're in this like rounded forward all the time, right? And that's putting actually a lot of pressure into that lumbar spine and actually could be a piece of the problem. And we think, oh, but we're strengthening our abs. Well, we got to shift that even more. We got to get out of strengthening our abs and strengthening our deep core, which is that pelvic floor all the way up through the torso and that lengthening motion. So I, I do teach flexion. I will get my ladies back into doing flexion. But generally in the beginning, we cut the flexion out because I've got to retrain her how to wake up that deep, deep layers. And before you know it, it's like, oh, we, you know, the back pain goes away or even kind of back to the postural thing. If next, everyone listening, stand up if you can and see where your weight is. If you kind of feel like you're hanging out in your back, just take your body and just kind of keep lifting through your body, but just kind of shift forward a little bit. So you're on more of the arches and using your toes. A lot of people quit using their toes as they get older. And because we're told all the time, how many times are we told, put your weight in your heels, put your weight in your heels, do those squats with your weight in your heels. And well, like that's true to a point, but I end up getting people like, Hey, what about those arches of your feet? What about your toes? Guess what? There's a fascial line from our toes and the arch of our foot that goes all the way up through our pelvic floor, deep core to the back of the head. So it's very fascinating to think like how we stand can affect our pelvic floor function. So even just that, and again, I don't want you like over leaning for these are tiny, tiny right. little, little adjustments. And all of a sudden, you might start to feel like, Oh, gosh, if I just shift forward ever so slightly. Oh, now I can actually start to feel my core a little bit too, like the deep layers. Yeah, it's amazing. It's funny to hear you say this, because I was convinced I had a kidney stone postpartum. I was just with this back pain, I'd had a horrendous kidney stone and had to have surgery right before I got pregnant, like literally surgery to remove this kidney stone. I was just convinced I had another kidney stone um because of back pain and turns out it was posture related so you were you were right on that one <laughs> okay so earlier in the episode you mentioned that traditional stretching could be keeping the body in pain that you're maybe against some traditional stretching can you expand on that a little bit oh yes so if we are doing traditional stretching let's take um everyone knows what a runner's lunge is right where you put your one you know leg up on something and you kind of pull back to stretch like that, that stretch are you going to tell me not to do that stretch <laughs> well i'm going to tell you a better way to do it okay i'm not one to tell people not to do things i like to make things we're going to teach you how to make it so it's better so instead of like okay pulling back and we're rounding our body forward to reach for our toe right where we're yes we're going to feel a little hamstring stretch we're going to feel a low back stretch that could actually be over stretching specifically your low back and many times then it can keep our hamstrings tight or like, well, let me explain how to do it. And then I'll talk about like what it's doing. So instead, the better way to do it would be to soften your knee if you need to. Most people need to unless they're super hypermobile. But you want to think about lifting tall. Remember that posture because if we're, if we're just rounded forward and we're limp and just trying to reach as far as we can, we're not activating our fascial system. It kind of shuts off. And what do we want to do with our fascia? We want to teach it how to be connected in a lengthened way. So it's exactly how I'm going to teach you how to do a runner stretch. So you put your leg up out. You want to soften your knee probably for most of us. And then you're going to pull your sit bones back and lift through your torso and hinge forward, only hinging as far as you can go without rounding your back. As soon as we round our back, we're going to let go of that fascial connection. Here's what happens. If okay. we can stay more fascially connected through stretches, 
it will be more effective because I find time and time again, if we just stretch and we're going to kind of go limp through our body, but we're really trying to reach, then it tell it can tell that area of the body, hey, you know, when you come back out of it, hey, I'm losing, I don't have the support that I need to hold my bones in place. And then that can be where stuff starts to kind of grip and grab. And we start to then have pain out of it. So it's such a small little adjustment, but it makes all the difference in the world. And I know yoga is a big thing on this. And a lot of people want to go deep, deep, deep into their poses. But again, it causes a lot of injury for people or instructors want to come and push someone deeper in a pose. And I just want to tell all of you, do yoga. You, I may get people to disagree with me and that's fine. You can disagree with me, but I help people all day long with pain, getting out of pain. And I'll tell you, this is what works. If we are forcing our body into deeper poses or deeper stretches, then our body really is ready for because we're and we're not supported through it, it really can lead us into injury. Because again, it kind of goes into that like, oh, our body isn't really supported enough to go deep enough into that pose. We come out of it, the body might even think, gosh, that felt kind of painful and not really good. So now my tissue is going to go, I need a grip and grab and support and didn't really serve the purpose. So kind of sounds like you're just saying making sure we're elongating and lifting and Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 So if you go into like, um, I'm trying to think of like a good, I don't do a lot of yoga. I'm a Pilates girl over here, but even like a, let's use like a warrior. Everyone knows like kind of what a warrior two looks like, right? Kind of a lungy, side lungy type position. And so many times people want to just go deep. It's all about, we see the pretty poses on social media. We wanted to do the pretty poses. And I always say like, my stuff on social media is not pretty because my stuff's very like functional, educational for your body. And a lot of times for most people can't really do the pretty poses and do them actually correctly. We want because we need to stay higher in poses. We find that connection, that opposition through our body, that lifting. Then we start to feel, oh, now I can feel my glutes and hamstrings and deep core, that pelvic floor light lift. Now that I feel supported and strong, now I can start to go deeper. How low can you go and stay connected, I would say, in mm-hmm. your body? And as soon as you start to lose it, you've got to go higher. And in time, your body will get stronger in those ways and you will be able to go deeper. But that's what I find. Okay. Okay, good. I wanted to share my excitement today over our newest product that should assist with weight loss. It's called Metabolism Support. It works by increasing GLP-1 and reducing ghrelin, which I'll explain here in a minute. GLP-1 may sound familiar to you because over the past year, our clinic has had excellent success using GLP-1 agonist injections like semaglutide for weight loss. As a reminder, GLP-1 agonists delay the release of food from the stomach, making you feel fuller longer so you eat less and lose weight. However, today for those of you who have never taken a GLP-1 agonist or who don't want the injection or cost of the injection, I have another solution. We just launched Metabolism Support. It contains a patented blend of lemon verbena and hibiscus called Metabolade and green coffee bean extract. I want to explain to you here how this works and the balance of two hormones in your body. Your adipose cells, aka fat cells, secrete leptin, which is your satiation hormone that tells your body you're full. Leptin and ghrelin have somewhat of an inverse relationship. Ghrelin is your hunger hormone. Makes you want to eat. Think ghrelin, growling for more food. Your body doesn't always want you to lose weight and can fight against you, and I'll explain why. As you lose weight, you have less leptin and GLP-1 telling you that you're full and more ghrelin, that growling hormone that makes you feel hungry. So as you lose weight, many people actually get more hungry, and we need to stop that. And there's a solution. We now can take a supplement that increases GLP-1 and reduces ghrelin to help keep us full and eat less. The green coffee extract also has shown to help reduce body weight and improve metabolism. Trials have shown individuals on this product can lose 6% of their total body fat in 8 weeks time. And if you're losing weight, blood pressure, and cholesterol... (laughs) 
all are going down, really reducing cardiovascular risk factors. Of note, this product is 100% caffeine-free. I don't understand how, but it is. This is also excellent when used in combination with berberine, fish oil, and bergamot, all of which also can reduce cardiovascular risk. I also have to emphasize that you will have much better success with any of the GLP-1 boosters when you combine them with lifestyle changes. I also always say there's no pill, potion, or powder that will replace lifestyle changes. You will get better, longer-lasting results when you eat clean, exercise, and reduce stress in combination with taking the supplement. You can take this when on semaglutide if transitioning off of it or... Of course, if also not taking it. This metabolism support supplement should be taken 30 minutes before your largest meal of the day for best results. And also remember, you will be better able to lose weight when you're hydrated. So start your day with large water with electrolytes and start every meal with protein. Use code weight loss for 10% off metabolism support at yourlongevityblueprint.com. And know that we now have an in-body machine at the Integrative Health and Hormone Clinic. So if you want to see your body fat percentage before starting a supplement or even a GLP-1 agonist injection, we can provide you with this information to track your progress. What role do you think breath work or breathing right, plays in reducing pain? Uh, it's very important. So, so many of us, when we breathe, and again, we can all do this right now, um, listening, is just breathe in through your nose and see where your breath goes. See what happens. Do you breathe in and do you feel like your shoulders rise up to your ears? When you breathe out, do you notice that you round forward like this where your sternum goes down? Like Those are two signs that we're a little restricted through our breathing patterns here. And so we could talk about like, let's learn how to breathe more diaphragmatically, which most people think is belly breathing. Again, I will disagree with that. I'm not against belly breathing. You guys can do it. I think it's great to just release and relax and let your belly go. You know, that's fine. That is fine. No problems with it. But to truly get your diaphragm, right, which is the muscle that goes right along the base of the rib cage, right? And so if we really want to activate our diaphragm, we have to think about our breath going down out to the sides of our ribs and the back of our ribs, even into our low back, that will activate your diaphragm so much better than just belly breathing. Most people don't know how to expand their ribs wide or breathe into their back. So even just like, I think the best way for people to start learning how to breathe into their back, especially if you're doing it seated and you're like, I can't do that. Lay on your stomach on the floor and just practice breathing and visualize, visualize your breath going down into your low back or towards your sacrum. This is something I taught my kids to do since they were little. Teach your kids to do this, you guys, because kids know how to breathe so well. And if we bring awareness, we have to bring that brain training that I love doing with people. Because we're doing basically everything we're doing. Everything we've talked about, it's it's brain training. It's getting us to realize what's going on, you know, how we've been doing things to how we got to change things and change that wiring of our brain. But I'm always like, teach your kids how to breathe this way. Like at night, it's your little kids or like, you put them to bed, rub their back, put your hand on their low back and just say, okay, let's take a night, couple really slow breaths into your back. They know how to do it. They do so well. Kids are great movers, right? Little kids, especially. And if you bring that awareness to them, then they can have that ability to keep it for the rest of life. We all could do it. I promise mm-hmm. you that we could all could do it. We just lose it. We get really stuck and immobile in a sense. So when we can bring our breathing back and we can just open up the rib cage, open up our back with our breath. Guess what? That right there gets a lot of people out of back pain because we, because some of our back pain is just that our low back is trying to work so hard to overcompensate for lack of strength in other areas. And so that back breathing can be very beneficial. The other thing is 
from pelvic floor function. We can do all the movement we want and you may or may not strengthen your pelvic floor a little bit. Um, It has to be initiated with breath. So remember that postural example I gave at the beginning, it's that breath going down. And I know your breath doesn't technically go down to your pelvis, but we can elicit a fascial response with our breath if we are doing more diaphragmatic breathing. So if that breath can go down, out to the ribs, into the back, and we start to kind of visualize relaxation down into our pelvis and our pelvic floor, and then that exhale is initiating that gentle pelvic floor lift all the way up through our body, it will start to like it strengthens your core in a, in a whole new way. The other piece of it is for those of you that when you exhale and you may have to watch yourself in a mirror and you notice that your ribs collapse inward, very common with my people that have done a lot of crunches over the years. If we're compressing down, what is that doing to our neck? It's drawing up and putting tension in our upper traps and our neck, right? So when we breathe, we're breathing out to the sides of our ribs and into our back. And as we exhale, that gentle lift internally, we want to open up across our sternum. So we all know where that sternum is, right? Right above the chest here. If we can think about lifting through there and we soften the ribs underneath, I know it's a lot of instruction. If we're thinking about that lifting, it'll start to wake up mid-back muscles. It just works all together with what we want, basically from our pelvis through our head doing. A lot of people, again, neck pain, shoulder pain, even low back pain, it can be from rib cage restriction. And it sounds kind of crazy, but it really can be because if we're breathing super shallow and our muscles and fascia are really restricted, um, it can just keep us in that kind of stagnant movement piece. So the rib cage stuff and the breathing is super, super powerful. And again, the same thing with the pelvic floor, like a lot of you listening may not be able to do even like 10% of what I was doing right now. but we can't ever change it if we don't bring awareness to it in the first place. So, well, and the visual sitting is, here, yeah, listening yeah. to it, like as I'm doing that, I'm like, oh my gosh, my pelvic floor is tight. So now I'm, you know, at least I'm, yes, I'm deep breathing, but that brought awareness to my pelvic floor that I'm like, okay, I need to like relax that. <laughs> you have yeah, to just take and, the time to sit and feel and yeah, it raise yeah, awareness for yeah. this. Yeah. To be able to make yeah, a and with the and with the pelvic floor activation with the breathing, I like to cue people with a percentage. I'll be like, okay, so now Stephanie, for example, when you if you do it with the breathing in and then the exhale with a very gentle pelvic floor lift, try to activate your pelvic floor fifty percent of what you have been, and it tells the brain to be like, okay, I want some activation, but not as much. So let's play around with our body and experiment, kind of experiment with different ways of trying to get ourselves to feel more about our body. And it's it's amazing how we just have to start with where we're at and work on it. And you are never too old. Anyone listening, you are never too old to learn this. Because I'll hear from people all the time, oh, well, but my babies are in their 30s. It's too, I'm too way past. I'm like, no, 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 no. It's never, never too late. <laughs> well, and what I find also with patients who have, we'll just say very low libido or even inability to orgasm, whatnot, they have extremely tight pelvic floors. Everything is so locked up. They just can't relax. You know, I have women in their seventies with super tight pelvic floor. I'm like, how has no one ever yeah. found this on you before? I'm like, and I'm sending them to a physical therapist. Why not just to help? So yes, you're never too young and you can have this problem. I feel like at any age. So yeah. And it, I was gonna say why it happens because the whole Kegel conversation back to that. And we're taught like squeeze, 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 because we don't want to have too weak of a pelvic floor. But I don't see many women with too weak pelvic floor. <laughs> I would agree. It's more than tight. Yes. Been there. Okay, let's talk about exercise during pregnancy and postpartum, because I know that's kind of your specialty. And I know we don't have time to dive into that. But you have obviously courses and whatnot for that. But let's at least go into some basics here. So how can exercise during pregnancy prepare your body for birth and for recovery postpartum? 
Yeah. So I love talking about movement exercise during pregnancy. I think it's so powerful, but I think it comes down to we have to tune into our body when we're pregnant, what we feel, you know, what we feel up to doing, because there's so many variables. You know, if you were someone who, you know, exercised quite a bit before, could you continue doing that? Sure, within reason, as long as it feels okay for your body, you don't have pain, you're not experiencing continence, and you feel more energized after your workout than when you started. Those are kind of my like, Three, sure. uh, three big things. Um, and then there might be women that are like, you know what, I wasn't really active at all before. So can I do anything during as long as your doctor approves you, of course, it's all doctor approval. Everything's healthy, I would say absolutely. And you should. I've worked with a lot of women over the years that were not exercisers before. And the, it's amazing how much stronger they got during pregnancy. Wow. It's amazing how the the stuff that the stuff that I teach, it's, it's, you know, exercise that I have a array of it from like, okay, you can work out a little bit harder to like, hey, just go in and do the deep core work that's very slow, very gentle, very fluid, or find a couple of the movements that feel best for your body, because we're not just doing it to like stay fit and burn the calories. Like I don't talk about any of that in in my world, because I don't like it. So many women have used fitness as a way to kind of beat themselves up. So I like to always talk about movement and always as very nourishing for the body. So especially during pregnancy, I'm like, how can we do movement during pregnancy that can keep you feeling your best, can help prepare you not only for the remainder of pregnancy, but birth, whether that's a vaginal birth or a C-section, and then your postpartum recovery. So we're doing, you know, a couple things. You can take 10 women and they're all they're gonna all be doing different things, but it works for them. But the foundational pieces that I teach my moms, my expecting moms all the time, is you have to learn how to release and relax through your pelvis and pelvic floor. Even if you're gonna have a C-section, like I cannot stress that because I get a lot of conversation of like, Hey, I'm having a C-section over here. So I don't need to do any of that deep core stuff you teach. And I'm like, no, 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 no. You do you still need do. to do it. Exactly. Because your pelvic floor is still taking a lot of stress because of weight of baby. Yeah, so you're, you're still holding gripping. the baby. Right, right, yeah. right. Absolutely. And when you learn how to, and I would say pregnancy is the best time to learn how to strengthen your core effectively because you have that feedback of baby inside. So you can feel the inside of the pelvic floor. You can feel the inside of your abdominals. You'll never get that chance any other time in your life. So it's like the most amazing time for you to become more fascially strong through your deep core. And we're not doing crunches or any of that stuff. I teach you how to weave in your deep core training in everything you do. And it's amazing to me how so many moms will keep up like their squats, for example. They're like, I'm still doing my squats because they help her pelvis stay stable. They help keep the pain at bay. And I'm a big, we open this conversation, we're talking about pain. That is my number one thing is I want to help women to feel better and stronger in her body, but doing the appropriate things, right? Some women might still be lifting weights towards the end. Some women might still be running. I'm not a huge fan of running during pregnancy, but maybe midway through. And then you got to really start to back off depending on what's going on with your body. How do you feel about Um, hiking? I did a Peloton hiking, um, I don't know, session this morning and I loved it. Like my output was so high, but I was like, I I mean, I was literally thinking if I am able to get pregnant again, I was like, I could totally do this. Well, I I mean, maybe to a certain degree, I'm going to get short of breath, but how do you feel about hiking? I think hiking is great. Yeah. Yeah. My biggest thing with pregnancy that starts to kind of dwindle down is your impact. Stuff because yeah. it's putting so much pressure on your pelvic floor, the running, the, right. the CrossFit, the like really intense stuff. And again, there are always outliers. There are always going to be outliers. But my whole thing is pregnancy is such a short period of time in reality. And again, you have superpowers when you're, when you're pregnant that you don't have any other time. So you can get stronger faster when you're pregnant. Your mm-hmm. collagen synthesis, which is what fascia is mostly made up of collagen, right? That's the whole collagen conversation. Um, because while you're growing a baby, bones, skin, all of it, 
you know, collagen is our is the base of it. So your collagen synthesis actually increases when you're pregnant. So you can actually become stronger faster by lifting less. So wow. do less and you actually yeah. it, you can actually do less during pregnancy and it's actually as effective or more effective than when you were not pregnant. And and as far as like what to do, you know, how to gauge your cardio, you go by what we call the talk test. So if you're walking with a friend, you would want to be able to, or exercising with a friend, you would want to be able to carry on a light conversation with her. If you're feeling really winded, you got to take it back a little bit. If you're Miss Chatty Cathy, well, you could probably pick it up a little bit, you know? So it's, and no longer the heart rate variable, all that, because that just is so, again, variable between one woman to another. So I don't, we don't, I don't use that on my end. But the other piece with exercising during pregnancy and doing the right things, it's really about doing the right techniques is, I'm very big on preparing her for birth, whether it's a vaginal birth, whether it's a C-section, because we hear all the time from our moms that end up with, you know, a C-section, whether it was planned or for whatever reason, right? She's like, my surgeon always asks, what were you doing during pregnancy? Because like when he cuts for that tissue, he's like, it's so nice. And then when she goes back, her healing is so much easier. Time and time again, we hear from moms. And this is always like why I do all this work is... I hear from so many moms that have, you know, found our prenatal program with not a first or a second even. And they're like, it is day and night. And it should get harder with each pregnancy, you would think. It doesn't have to. And I'm really big on, okay, what are we doing during pregnancy? How can we help her with birth? Because that all can have a profound effect on her during postpartum. And sure. when we start talking about postpartum depression and things like that. If she can have an easier recovery because her birth went a little bit better, her body is stronger, she's more connected, she just has prepared her body, then she's likely to have a little bit easier postpartum. And we hear it time and time. I mean, we have moms that come, like even with C-sections, she'll be messaging me at two weeks postpartum and be like, Erica, I know you said I can't exercise yet, but I really need to do something. So that's why in core rehab, we actually have an early postpartum that's, again, it's not exercise, it's therapeutic movement. It's very gentle, breath-focused. Just kind of wake up that tissue again, help her reconnect with her pelvic floor, but gives her something to do. So she's not going out and doing things that are going to cause more harm or damage to her body. Yeah. One last question before we get to the final question. (laughs) So thank you for that. So what about postpartum? So like, what should women not do postpartum? Because I guess I want to make sure we circle back around to that. I got to think about how you say it again. Diastasis recti. Like, how can women not make that worse? So like, what should they maybe not do postpartum? Yeah. So the biggest thing is giving your body time. I'm not a fan of not doing exercise because we lose strength twice as fast as we gain it, right? So that's why I have a program that guides up exactly what to do. But doing gentle, more therapeutic movement, not exercise per se. So yeah, get out and walk, walk gently. Let's reconnect with our pelvic floor. But let's not hit the gym, lifting heavy weights, getting back to running too soon or doing crunches, like no, 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 because that can cause so actually, you could be fine at say six weeks postpartum, maybe you look like you have very little diastasis, things are healing well until you think, oh, I've got the green light. And then you hit the ground running literally. And next thing you know, you're like, wait, what's this bulging out of my vagina here? Or I'm starting to experience incontinence. Um, wait, what, why, why am I seeing this weird little ridge coming up of, out of my abs when I do crunches now? Like, you're like, wait, how did this happen when it's six weeks, things looked fine. Mainly, it's a couple things. One is relaxin, right? We have the relaxin hormone in our body for, again, you see different ranges, but I would say six months. That's kind of the consensus I have got from most of the research out there. So I always tell moms, please wait. Let's do other things and wait to run until it's close to six months postpartum. And I know a wow. lot of people will be yeah. like, 
that's a long time. And I go, yes, but we're talking about your lifetime here. I want to help you prepare your body so your your foundation is stronger so that when you do get back to running, we have really mitigated our risk for incontinence, pelvic organ prolapse, um, all the aches and pains that can come with it. So, and again, there will be, we'll have outliers of women that can start running maybe more like three months. Uh, we'll have, I do coaching calls in my program because I'm always like, come on, let's have a conversation. How's your body feeling? How's it going? But it's usually not, you're going to go out for a five mile run. It's like, okay, maybe you can do a little jog and then you got to walk a little bit. Like we just have to really work our body back in to our exercise or our movement practice and not think, oh, we've had our baby. We've got the green light from our doctor. We can just go ahead and do everything we were doing pre-baby. And that's just not, not the truth. And it really just comes down from me caring so much because I work with women that have been in that situation and they didn't know about me and she ends up with these issues yeah. and then she gets pregnant again or yeah, yeah. years down the road and she comes back and she's like, I wish I would have known the stuff that you teach now, you know, back then. And I didn't know my doctor didn't know and so on and so forth. So trying to save women a lot of heartache that we don't have to go through. Have you seen our electrolyte options at the clinic? My favorite is Element or Element E. It's an electrolyte powder drink mix with everything you need and nothing you don't. It's free of gluten, sugar, dodgy ingredients, is keto and paleo-friendly, and tastes delicious. I personally sweat a lot and have suffered with low blood pressure, and these electrolyte packets are just what I need on a hot day or with a heavy workout. Even if you don't work out, you might be drinking dead water, and if so, you need to replace your electrolytes, and Element is a great option for that. My favorite flavors are the citrus, orange, and raspberry salt. Grab a single sample packet at the clinic or receive a free bonus sample pack of six flavors using our link with any purchase. In my opinion, this is the best electrolyte drink ever. I'll post this link in the show notes. Finally, getting to my last question here. Where can <laughs> listeners where can listeners find you? I know you keep talking about like, which I need to do. I need to relearn how to kind of activate the deep core muscles. So like I'm once again intrigued, right? So how can listeners learn more of what you offer? So like where can listeners find you? What classes do you have? Tell us all the good stuff. So everything's on my website. It's ericazeal.com. My last name is Z-I-E-L. Yeah. <laughs> and so my core rehab program, that's like my main program that I'm like, that's that's where I send everybody. Unless I you're think pregnant. that's what I did. I think that's the one that I, yeah. You're yeah, I would have yeah, been. Yeah. Yep. Still there. It's still changing lives every single day. So yep, that's my main program. And then we have our Knocked Up Fitness uh, prenatal program. So for expecting moms, and then you can just go right into core rehab after that. So those are and our main coaching. two. It sounds like you have coaching too. Or- yeah. And we yeah. offer coaching, yeah. yeah, group coaching through both programs to offer that little bit of extra personalized support for moms because I think it's needed. Yay. And I hear you also have a free gift. So what's this uh, pelvic floor guide gift? <laughs> yes. Yeah. So my pelvic floor guide uh, gets raving reviews. So no matter where you are in, in life, pregnant, not pregnant, in your 60s, 70s, whichever, it kind of has some nuggets for all of you. And so you can head on over to my website. It's ericazeal.com forward slash pelvic floor. It's also on my main homepage too. So it's really hard to miss, but it's the main. Everyone loves it because it's good little nuggets to help get you moving in the right direction. Thank you. Thank you. We'll definitely post a link in the show notes to that. Okay. What's your top longevity tip? You had to pick one thing. Keep moving because I always say that when our mobility starts to go, our, our, health our quality of life starts to go so movement is key love it yay this was wonderful thank you for coming on the show today and just sharing how important our fascia and really fascia i would say stretching and elongating 
our muscles and with deep breathing. Just thank you for sharing how important that truly is. Because I do think many times we think the opposite and we're maybe overstretching and and just raising awareness to the importance of our pelvic health and to that, what did you call it? The deep core, activating our deep core, which again, I need to relearn. So this was a very unique, different show, but it is an important message. So thanks again for coming on the show. Thanks, Stephanie. What a great second episode on this topic. I'm going to conclude this how I concluded part one. So many women can benefit from her work pre-pregnancy, while pregnant, and postpartum. I think we all could use help learning to strengthen our core the correct way starting at a young age. I can still hear and see her talking about feeling that lift in my posture, and that's one piece of homework and take home I definitely had was to work on my posture to help my fascia and muscles. I'll post a link to her free pelvic floor guide in the show notes, and if you're listening again from Iowa, check out her new Pilates studio in Ankeny. Be sure to check out my book, Your Longevity Blueprint. And if you aren't much of a reader, you're in luck. You can now take my course online where I walk you through each chapter in the book. Plus, for a limited time, the course is 50% off. Check this offer out at yourlongevityblueprint.com and click the course tab. One of the biggest things you can do to support the show and help us reach more listeners is to subscribe to the show. Leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. I do read all the reviews and would truly love to hear your suggestions for show topics, guests, and for how you're applying what you've learned on the show to create your own longevity blueprint. This podcast is produced by Teen Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, wellness is waiting. The information provided in this podcast is educational. No information provided should be considered to be or used as a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always consult with your personal medical authority.